0: Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosin,
1: And this is episode 102. For the most part, we're going to be continuing our look at the smart home. And we have some more comments and questions and demonstrations about smart home things. I hope you find that useful. We won't yet, because of all the listener comments, get to my own contribution on smart home things. But we will get there. We will, of course, be taking at least a one-week break from the smart home before we return to it because next week will be episode 103 and that will be devoted to a recap of Apple's big event Gather Round they say as they invite the media to the Steve Jobs theatre at Apple Park and there will be a lot of new hardware announced we expect three new iPhones a humonganormous can I do this a humonganormous 6.5 inch iPhone that's going to be kind of like a plus-sized device, but it's got no bezels, you see. So it'll be perhaps a little bit smaller, just a tiny bit smaller than, say, the iPhone 8 Plus, but it's got a lot more screen. So you're almost getting into iPad mini territory there with that sized display. But because they've taken the edges away, it comes in a form factor that we're all pretty familiar with. And then, of course, there'll be the uh, iPhone Ten update and a new cheaper Model that does not use OLED. So that's what we're expecting. We're also expecting the Apple Watch Series 4. Which will have a bigger screen area. Again they're doing the whole no bezels thing. Or minimal bezels thing there. We do expect to see more about air power. And possibly some other technology as well. For me one of the big matters of excitement is going to be. What about the rumors of a dual sim model. I really want this. I'm not sure whether I will be upgrading to another iphone this year or not but i tell you what i mean if if i have to do it for business purposes then yes i'll upgrade so i can write about it and teach it and things but for my personal use if they come out with a dual sim version of any iphone and there is some speculation that they are going to do it but it's not going to be available in all markets if that dual sim version is available in new zealand then man i will be i will be hitting that button because i really do want this feature If you're not clear about what it is I'm going on about, what is he he going on about? So the dual SIM version would allow you to have two SIMs in your iPhone. And why would you want to do that? Well, it may be that, of course, even when you're in your home country, you may have situations where you want one phone number for work and one for personal use. But also it may be that when you travel, you want to have a local SIM in your device from the country that you're traveling in plus your home SIM so you can still receive calls on your home number but not pay exorbitant roaming charges. So I would have, for example, if I visit the States, a T-Mobile or AT&T prepaid SIM in my device while also keeping my local SIM in from home. It would be a very useful feature. And it is a feature that people in some markets really want and really expect, particularly in Asian markets, China, for example, where Apple is really trying to make an impact. So the speculation is there will be a dual SIM model. It's just not clear whether everybody will have access to that dual SIM model. But then the Apple rumor mill has been wrong before and there's only just over a week to wait. Of course, the event is on the 12th of September US time at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time. And if you use universal time, UTC, that equates to 17 UTC, 5 a.m. in New Zealand. Now, let me tell you a bit about the events that we will be doing. Back in 2015, we actually started this on Mushroom FM, where we did a post-Apple event, and it's kind of taken off since then. We moved it to the blind side when the blind side started, and I know that a lot of people look forward to it. So what we do is we watch the Apple event, and I'm sure you will too, right, if you're interested in this, and you can do that, of course, by watching it on your Apple TV there's a special Apple events app that you can get and you'll be able to watch it there it's streaming live on Apple TV you can also watch it on any Apple product and it works with Microsoft Edge as well interestingly so you have a number of ways to watch the event and we'll be watching it with you we have Heidi Taylor the artist formerly known as Heidi Mosen till she got married to Henry the Wonder son-in-law now she's Heidi Taylor And Heidi really does add a lot of value because she's very good at describing things to blind people. She's just got that knack. And she is constantly taking screenshots of events that flip up on the screen. What many of us as blind people don't appreciate is that there is a lot that is displayed at these Apple events that just simply isn't talked about. So Heidi is constantly looking for ways to describe all these new devices. And there will be a lot of new hardware to talk about. And you'll want to know, you know, how big is it? What does it look and feel like? Any issues to do with ports or design or anything like that? She'll be thinking about this all the way through the keynote next week and getting ready to describe that to you. But she will also be constantly taking screenshots so that we can go in depth into things that just, they didn't have time to talk about on stage. So this is just not simply churning over what Apple already said and what you already know. This is actually adding specific value, giving you new information that you would not have picked up from just listening to the event. Now, how can you access it? Well, of course, if you're listening to the blind side, you'll be able to access it when we publish it on the blind side. And we'll do that pretty quickly. There is a way to listen to it live. And this is available to subscribers of Mosin Consulting's Daily Fiber Premium Podcast. We've talked about this before The Daily Fiber Premium Podcast costs $5 per month, and when you pay that $5 a month, you get the Daily Fiber Premium delivered to you every weekday. Normally it drops at about 6 p.m. Eastern time. It can vary a little bit depending on my other commitments, but we do get an episode out every single weekday. We haven't missed an episode yet since we started the Daily Fiber for just $5 U.S. a month. You'll get an email notification whenever an episode is published, and you can also subscribe to it in your podcast app of choice. Now, to say thank you, thank you for being a Daily Fibre premium subscriber, we will send you a link in the next week or so to an exclusive live stream of the recording of the Blindside podcast event. And as a Daily Fibre premium subscriber, you'll be able to choose that link and listen in live to the recording of the Blindside podcast, which will happen right after ...the Apple event. Who's on this year? Well, there's myself... ...chairing the whole thing. We also have Heidi Taylor... ...as I mentioned... ...and our two guests... ...on this particular occasion... ...we try and do a bit of rotation... ...to give you a bit of variety. We've got Janet Ingber... ...back with us once again... ...who of course has written... ...books about the Mac... ...and also writes for... ...Access World... ...the AFB's publication... ...and we're also joined... ...by David Woodbridge... ...who's an iPhone and Mac user... ...a prolific podcaster... ...on the topic... And he's across the ditch in Australia, which means that for him, the event starts at 3 o'clock. I mean, it's pretty early here at 5 a.m., but he has to get up at 3 o'clock to do all this. And I'm sure he'll be sprightly and uh, ready to go with vim and vigor as we give you this post-Apple event coverage. Now, the Blindside Podcast 104 will be one of two things. Either we will get back to the home automation, the smart home, or if I do decide to get one of the new devices It'll be all about that, so we'll keep you posted on what is happening with the Blindside Podcast 104. Now, while we're talking about all of this stuff, iOS 12, without the eye, is ready to go, other than, of course, adding references to the new hardware and uh, any software-related features pertaining to that hardware that we may find out about next week. We would anticipate that iOS 12 will be released the week of the 17th of September, And we intend to publish iOS 12 without the eye just before iOS 12 itself drops so that you will have the book to help you through and so that you know what to expect. If you would like to find out more, be sure to be subscribed to the Mosin Consulting announcements list. You can do that by going to mosin.org and choosing the link to subscribe to the announcements list. You can also follow at Mosin Consulting on Twitter. If you've never bought a copy of the iOS without the iSeries before, they are eBooks, And so they are available from the Mosin Consulting site in accessible PDF or EPUB. So you can read them easily in Voice Dream Reader, in iBooks, in a whole bunch of ways. You will also be able to obtain it eventually from National Braille Press in hard copy Braille. If you'd like to have it in front of you in physical Braille, there's nothing like sitting in front of a physical Braille book and reading the pages you can also get it in electronic braille from national braille press and in daisy text as well in terms of the pricing well nbp will set its pricing but as usual since we started this in 2013 i am keeping the price at $19.95 obviously i've got to get paid for all the work this has taken to produce somehow but i do try and keep the price nice and low so that as many people as need it can have access to ios 12 without the eye and also support the work that I've been doing. So $19.95 again. And for that, you will be able to get the book in both EPUB and PDF format. You can download one or you can download both, whichever you prefer. Now let's go to some feedback If you would like to leave yours, you can do so by dropping me an email to theblindside at mozen.org. That's the blindside, all joined together, no dashes or anything like that, at mozen.org. You can write something down, or you can also attach an audio clip using the voice memos app on your device or recording an MP3 on your PC, whatever works for you. If you prefer to phone in, that's great. And we have a US number for that purpose. The feedback line is 719-270-5114. That number again, 719-270-5114.
2: Hey there, this is Tom from Charlotte, North Carolina. I just listened to your podcast earlier this afternoon while I was at the gym. And, um, was uh, very interested in your um, subject matter on home automation. Unfortunately, right now, I live in a home that was built in the 1950s, so I'm not entirely sure that it lends itself uh, to home automation. I do have a ring doorbell currently, but that's it. Um, other than my security system has a thermostat included. Um, I'm looking at, at some point in the next couple of years, moving to a much newer home that is much more convenient to trans- uh, more transportation options, as I'm also visually impaired. Um my work uh, is on a light rail line and I'm looking forward to implementing some of the op- options you discussed and I'm looking forward to your next edition of your podcast and hearing more in the series um, I did also want to ask um, what your thoughts on self-driving cars and uh, are and if we sh- if there's anything in particular we should be looking for
1: good to hear from you tom thanks for phoning in and i've got to ask i've always wanted to ask someone this since you're surfing the internet in charlotte does that mean that you're using charlotte's web <laughs> had to get it in sometime. all right so the uh, age of your house probably shouldn't have too much to do with how much smart homing you can do now there was a time when a lot of the stuff required wiring And so some people in the really early days of home automation, the early adopters would rip open the walls and try and do a whole bunch of stuff with wiring. Using technologies like X10, I don't even know if that's still a thing, but it certainly used to be, and it required a bit of wiring. These days it's all done with Wi-Fi anyway. So as long as you can get good Wi-Fi signal throughout your house, you should be okay to do whatever smart homework you want to do at the moment, even before you move, if you'd like to. In recent times, mesh Wi-Fi systems have become quite common. And they really are making a difference in terms of getting good Wi-Fi coverage throughout your house. What we did, because I'm particularly geeky, is we got an electrician to come in and lay Cat6 Ethernet cable everywhere. So in most of our rooms, we have an Ethernet port that we can plug things into. And sometimes we plug access points into those Ethernet ports, and sometimes we just plug single devices like our Philips Hue bridge or something like that. But we do have Ethernet everywhere, so that's a bit extreme. And these days you can get Wi-Fi mesh systems like Google Mesh, and there are a few of these, Google Wi-Fi I think it's called, and they come in two packs or three packs, and they're much better than the old Wi-Fi extenders that we used to have to put up with, which essentially rebroadcast a wireless signal, and there was significant degradation. For those people old enough to remember what it was like when you would copy a cassette onto another cassette, and then you copied that second cassette onto a third, you'd get degradation, and the Wi-Fi extenders were like that. The mesh devices don't suffer from that sort of thing, and they're pretty slick, so if you don't want to invest... In getting your home kitted out with Ethernet outlets everywhere, then mesh systems are a pretty effective way to go for home automation. So those are some things that you could do if you wanted to right now to get your home automation up and running. In terms of self-driving vehicles, fascinating area. And I know that there is some work going on in the United States with blindness advocacy organizations making sure that local and federal laws don't accidentally or deliberately prohibit blind people from being in self-driving vehicles. So this is a topic that we should cover soon on The Blind Side. Hello, Jonathan and everyone at The Blind Side Podcast. This is Sean Williams from Michigan,
3: early morning here as I record this. However, no matter, I just wanted to say that I enjoy the podcast a lot. And to also uh, tell you, I really enjoyed your zoom tutorial, Jonathan. And for those who don't know what I'm on about, Jonathan has created a great tutorial. And I purchased that tutorial because I was very interested in zoom. I had come across zoom before. However, th- when reading that tutorial, or rather listening to that tutorial, I came across some stuff that I didn't know about. And Because of that tutorial, I was kind of on the fence of, okay, should I go pro or not?
1: But because of that tutorial, I went pro, and I'm certainly glad that I did. Well, I really appreciate the testimonial, Sean. Thank you very much for that. And it's great to see Zoom being adopted so widely in the blind community because the audio quality is really good. They do respond quickly to any accessibility issues that might arise. And of course, the Accessible World team, I understand, who have done tech talk for a long time in their Pat Price tech talk training room, they're about to switch to Zoom. Freedom Scientific are, of course, using Zoom for the FS Open line, which they've recently started. And there are also scripts for Zoom that Brian Hartgen has produced for JAWS, and he's making those available for free. So if you would like to learn about Zoom, because it's one of those technologies that's being adopted very widely by everybody I mean this is not just a blind community thing and I think this is a really important point it is technology that's been used extensively by businesses by universities and I think they just got with the whole accessibility thing and realized that if they are 508 compliant then it really does open up opportunities for them in the education market and they really are very responsive with their accessible products on iOS Android Windows and Mac and if you would like to learn more about our Zoom tutorial, you can head on over to mozen.org Zoom. That's mozen.org Zoom. There's also a free bit because what I decided to do was make a free part of the tutorial available. So anybody who wanted to know what to expect when they're attending a Zoom meeting can hear that without having to pay for the tutorial. If you want to get absolutely the most out of Zoom, as Sean says, you can purchase the full tutorial and you'll find a number of reasons why you may want to get a Zoom Pro account for yourself.
4: This is Petra, and I have a question. The uh, Apple Siri will tell you whether lights are on or off or whether the garage door is open or closed. But getting back to lights, will Siri tell you whether the light bulb is burned out? You might think that the light is on when, in fact, the light bulb has burned out and it's not on. Just a funny question that crossed my mind. Thank you. I love your programs, The Daily Fiber, The Vine Side. I love it.
1: Thank you very much, Petra. You know, this is a really good question, and I don't know whether I'm qualified to answer it. We've recently upgraded everything in our house with the exception of a couple of chandeliers that we need to change to Hue. It was a significant investment, and to the best of my knowledge, none of the bulbs has blown yet. Every so often, you do get a message from Siri to say that such and such a light is not responding, and my hunch is that if the bulb blows, then it's probably not going to respond because Siri can't make any kind of connection with the device. Now, that's only a hunch on my part, and... Somebody who has had Hue or another type of smart light bulb longer than me may be able to tell us specifically whether there's a special thing that happens. Like when you go into the Hue app, does Hue tell you when a light has blown? I guess once you do establish that your light has blown, it begs the question, how many blind side listeners does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) All right, here's a email from Greg Rhodes. He said, enjoyed your first home automation podcast. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about what happens if the app for any specific home automation device becomes inaccessible. For example, if I buy a Nest thermostat because that app is accessible, install it or pay someone to install it, and then the app is updated and no longer accessible, I have a real problem. Certainly happens with other iOS apps. What assurances can we get from companies that they are committed to keeping their apps accessible? Thanks, Jonathan. You do a great job with your podcasts, a real service to the blind community. Thank you, Greg. That's very generous. And it's a good question, this one. I think there are two components to the answer. The first is that I think it is important that we try and establish that the companies we're investing in for some of this core home functionality, do understand what screen readers are and are committed, genuinely committed to ensuring that their software is accessible. Now, the second part to this answer is that we do have some sort of protection when we invest in an app that is compatible with a given ecosystem. So, for example, Nest, I believe, works with both HomeKit and with Amazon Echo, So in that sense, even if the app suddenly became inaccessible for a brief time, it may be that there could be certain key settings that might be a bit difficult to manage for a time. But if it is working with Siri and with Alexa, then you are able to control the core functions of your home from those platforms. There are certain standalone products that don't have that additional safeguard. For example, our security system at the moment is not HomeKit or Alexa compatible. It works on its own app, and if that app became inaccessible, it would indeed be a pain point for us. It would be a really serious issue, and I would probably, if they weren't committed to fixing it very quickly, have to take some sort of action under New Zealand's human rights legislation and make a bit of a noise about it and try and get some action that way. But you're right. It does leave us vulnerable, and I think this is why, wherever possible, it's a good idea to get a smart thing that is somehow compatible with a wider, well-established platform, especially a voice one, because it's unlikely that a voice platform is going to become fundamentally inaccessible to blind people. Now, of course, software has bugs. And so particularly if you like to run beta things like beta Apple software, you may find that a beta drops And suddenly you can't control your house anymore because in that particular beta something went wrong with HomeKit. So these are all things to keep in mind. And it's probably a good idea if you are beta testing to have one piece of hardware at least that is running the established version of a piece of software, even if you beta test elsewhere.
0: Hello, Jonathan. I am Thomas and I live in Ohio in the USA. I must say that uh, I'm kind of addicted to uh, your various podcasts. I'm a daily um, Fiber Premium subscriber as well as uh, enjoying the Blindside podcast. And uh, quite frankly, I look forward to September every year with the release of um, the new book uh, on iOS. It's been a major tool for me for the last six years uh, when Apple comes out with the big uh, new releases. Anyway, my question uh, pertains to all of the exciting HomeKit, um, uh, and Google Home, and, and Alexa, uh, the smart home episodes um, that you're doing on the blind side. And it's probably a very basic question, but I've been wanting to ask it for several weeks. And when you resume these discussions regarding the um, smart home series, I thought it'd be a very appropriate time to ask it. My question is, what is the best way um, with the iPhone when I want to stream uh, music to either the car uh, through Bluetooth or Sonos or um, even Bluetooth headphones. But I want voiceover to continue speaking through the phone. For example, I'll be in the car and we have the Lexus app and my wife goes into a store and I want to Listen to some music on the Mark Levinson sound system, but I don't want voiceover to scream at me um, on the whole on the car system. I want it, the voiceover to stay local and play through the iPhone um, audio speakers on the iPhone while the music plays through the other, you know, the, the AirPlay source. So, be it Sonos or in the car or um, through Bluetooth headphones or earpiece. Um, is there a way consistently to tell it to play voiceover through the phone and the music or the audio of what you're listening to
1: through the outside source? Good to hear from you, Thomas, and thank you very much for all the positive feedback. This really depends on what the source is, what the protocol is to communicate between your iPhone and the device on which you're playing music. Sonos is probably the easiest one to deal with because with Sonos, you don't actually get voiceover on the Sonos unless you had some sort of line in capability because Sonos is its own ecosystem and its own app. So when you're using the Sonos app, you're actually controlling the speakers directly through the app. You're not sending stuff from your iPhone to the Sonos. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. One is that you can do AirPlay 2 with some Sonos devices now. And I'll talk about AirPlay in just a minute. So with Sonos, you're not going to get this problem. You can... Use your iPhone and turn up the volume up and down of voiceover and do all those things and not hear voiceover over your Sonos system. I'm a big fan of uh, Sonos and that's one of the reasons why. These days, AirPlay is also largely the same. So if you've got speakers or any kind of device that is AirPlay capable, when you send music to AirPlay, voiceover stays on the iPhone. There used to be a feature called Audio Destinations and at least in the version of iOS 12 that I'm running at the moment, it's there in the rotor. Um, it's selected in my rotor list, but it doesn't pop up uh, in the rotor when I have AirPlay 2 active. So I'm not sure whether this is a deprecated feature, whether we may see it again at some point, but it used to be able to let you select where the voiceover went with the AirPlay device or stayed on your phone. So there may be some scenarios where you want VoiceOver to come over an AirPlay device. So if you wanted a larger group of people to hear what VoiceOver was saying, that doesn't seem possible at the moment with the version of iOS 12 that I have. So again, if you're using AirPlay, you should be fine in terms of not having VoiceOver blasting out over the top of your music on your AirPlay speakers. And this is kind of nice because it means that you can maybe line up another song using voiceover in headphones, say, while one is playing on the AirPlay devices. Bluetooth, on the other hand, is more like plugging in a set of headphones. So if the device you're talking about is a Bluetooth speaker, then this is one of the big disadvantages of going with Bluetooth. You have a lot of compatibility with a lot of devices, but as I say, it's like when you turn Bluetooth on and you do that pairing, voiceover as well as the music will come over Bluetooth. So I suspect that in the scenario you're describing, you probably have a Bluetooth-equipped feature in your car. I have not had any experience with CarPlay, but I imagine that since CarPlay is Apple technology, that is AirPlay-based. So if you can convince the powers that be to upgrade your audio system, a good thing to do in your situation, if you're both iPhone users, would be to go with a car audio system that is AirPlay-based and not Bluetooth-based. Thanks for all the great listener comments, most of which were on Smart Homes. Let's go to a couple of presentations on the subject of Smart Homes.
5: Hello, everybody. This is Chris Grabowski with Mystic Access. I just wanted to talk a little bit about my home automation setup. There are a couple of things that I have to make my home automation integration work the way that I want it to. First of all, I have keyless entry locks. For those who don't know what a keyless entry lock is, it's a lock that you don't have a key. So you use your smartphone or you use your keypad on the lock itself to unlock the door. The next thing that I have is the Ring Video Doorbell System. And this allows me to talk to somebody on the other side of the door from inside the house or from literally across the world. The reason I have the doorbell is because of the camera, so it takes a picture or a video of anybody that approaches the camera, which is really, really nice. That's not really home automation, but it is more of security versus home automation. The next piece to my puzzle is the either Amazon Echo or Google Home voice Assistance. And you can use either device in the majority of situations to command and control some of your home automation products. I also have a Roomba 960. And the Roomba 960, I can use my Amazon Echo or Google Home to start and stop, check the status, and I can even ask it where it is. When I ask it where it is, it will play sounds until I pick it up. There are other robot vacuums, too, that integrate with the Amazon Echo or Google Home products, and those are the Shark Ion robots, which are very good product as well. At the main hub of my home automation system and what really makes it a home automation system is the Abode Home Security System, and that's spelled A-B-O-D-E. You can control your home security system from your Amazon Echo using your voice. For example, Lock the front door deadbolt.
4: Locking. Hang on. The front door deadbolt is locked.
5: So she locked the front door deadbolt. Lock the back door deadbolt.
4: Locking. Hang on. The back door deadbolt is
5: locked. So, as you can see, the back door deadbolt is locked. She did it. The deadbolt actually did respond. You can actually unlock them with your voice, but that requires a PIN code and one I don't have set up because I don't want somebody to hear me in the summertime say, open or unlock the front door deadbolt and then give it a code because now you've just told your neighbors if they can hear you through the doors. Or if you're outside, you can hear that. So, that is something I choose not to do. Also with the abode, because my locks are connected wirelessly to the abode via Z-Wave, I can unlock from a remote location. I can lock from a remote location. The other neat thing I can do is, Alexa, turn on the living room lamp. You may have heard the little click, but I have a... Lamp module that's connected to a lamp and using or through the abode hub, it turned on the lamp. Turn off the lamp. And it turned off the lamp and you're not hearing okay because I have my echo in brief mode. So let's take a little peek at the abode app. Open abode. Abode
4: in progress. Living room lamp auto slash off standby button. Standby button.
5: So the first thing we have is a standby. This is how you change your alarm setting, whether you want it armed or disarmed or not. So I'm going to double tap this. Standby. Now a dropdown comes, so I'm going to place my finger near the top of the screen. Mode disabled. Motion detection. Away button. So there's a way. If I wanted to leave the house, it would arm all the sensors. Home button. There's home. If I was home and I wanted to arm it, I would just arm the perimeter of the house, which would be the doors and window sensors. Standby button. And I'm just going to, for the sake of doing so, hit the standby button.
4: Standby. Dimmed.
5: Now the alarm has set to standby.
4: Backdoor depot locked awake. Living, Living device cameras. Timeline. Settings. Status. Actions. Alerts, but status, standby button.
5: So we're back up there, and I'm going to flick to the right.
4: Status, alerts, button, actions, status, settings, timeline, cameras, devices. Living room lamp off 08-03-2018 at 9.37 a.m., button. Living room lamp on 08-03-2018 at 9.37 a.m., button. Back door depot locked 08-03-2018 at 6.40 a.m., button.
5: So as you can see, I'm in a log of my sensors. The back door was locked. The back door was unlocked.
4: Back door deadbolt unlocked. Away slash 03 slash 2018 at 6.40 a.m. Button. Schedule automation. House doors lock at slash 02 slash 2018 at 9 p.m.
5: Button. So this is one thing I did want to show really quickly. It says scheduled automation. So with the abode, I have it set up so that all of the doors lock at 9 o'clock at night. And I could set it so that all of the doors unlock at a certain time if I chose to. I could even set it to set the alarm to home mode at 9 o'clock as well as the doors closing. So that's kind of a really, really neat home automation thing. So I'm going to go back into devices. So I'm going to go up. Back,
4: back, living room, living, cameras, devices.
5: There's devices.
4: Devices. Button. Ellipsis. Button locks heading level two
5: so we have different categories we have locks and lamps and things like that but let me show you this
4: ellipsis button Head button. back door lever button
5: there's my back door lever
4: locked button back door lever toggle checkbox checked
5: so now it's a toggle toggle, tap to toggle setting so if you notice the button said locked if i check this checkbox
4: unchecked locked button back door unlocked button
5: so now the backdoor lever has changed from locked to unlocked.
4: Backdoor lever toggle checkbox unchecked.
5: Double tap Double this tap again. To
4: toggle setting. Checked.
5: And it might take a second or two, and the locks do actually beep. Unfortunately, you can't hear them from where I am in the relationship to the recording.
4: Locked button.
5: But it is locked. And I just verified it by flicking to the left. As far as Automated home automation goes, the way that I have my abode set up is that if my iPhone leaves the house and I forget to lock the doors or set the alarm, the abode system when I'm a certain distance away from the house will automatically lock the doors and it will automatically set the alarm to away mode. On the reverse, when I come home, I have a front door and I have a back door. So on the reverse, when I come home, I have the system, when I get close to the house, automatically disarm the alarm and unlock just the front door because that's the door that I would enter in, not the side door, but the front door. So the side door remains locked. And I think that that kind of stuff is really neat. I had mentioned Roomba, so I can say something like this to my Echo. Ask Roomba, what are you doing?
4: Rosie is not ready. Please refer to the iRobot Home app for more information.
5: So as you can see, she says Rosie is not ready. Rosie is actually the name of my Roomba for you Jetsons fans, and uh, that's kind of how that works. Once it's set up, your home automation really does work decently. I have had that, when I'm arriving home, automation not work all the time. I'm not sure if it was just wireless interference or something, but sometimes when I would approach the door, the alarm might be disarmed, but the doors weren't unlocked. So I had to unlock the door myself. I have seen that happen. So home automation can be finicky. When it works, it does work well. A couple of things before I close. I just wanted to clarify the fact that the Roomba, you don't need a hub to integrate with Roomba. Any of these robot vacuums, there are light switches where you don't need an abode to integrate with these light switches. You can get a TP-Link light switch for about $20 US that has no hub required that you can integrate with your Amazon Echo or your Google Home, and you can turn on and off lamps and things like that that way. I just chose to integrate the locks and the lamps with the abode because of the home automation that the abode actually did offer. Also, I just wanted to mention too that I have a portable air conditioning unit that I can start and stop and change the temperature with Alexa. It is called a Rolly Cool, and that's R O L L I C O O L. It also does not need the home security system to integrate with it. It just, like any home automation product that you connect to your Amazon Echo, you basically enable the skill. And then you create an account on the provider's website. And then you link the two devices together so that they can talk. And if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, feel free to email me at chris at mysticaccess.com. And that's chris at mysticaccess.com. Thank you for listening.
3: Hi, everyone. This is Jay Pellis from Missouri, and I'd like to demonstrate two home products, or rather smart home products, that my wife and I own. One is a smart thermostat, and one is a smart outlet. So the first thing is the Honeywell Lyric T5 thermostat. It's about $100 off of Amazon now, and it does have a touchscreen, but it can be controlled through the iOS app. And the iOS app was updated in May and it changed from the name Lyric to Honeywell Home so it controls a couple other devices that they will sell as well as its thermostat and it's made very accessible. It used to be pretty accessible but it was a little hard to navigate around but now it's a little bit easier which is great and you will need sight assistance to install it and you'll need a wire in your home called a C wire or a common wire Uh, I think they're pretty uh, well known in the homes from the last 10 or 15 years, but if not, you will have to get one of those installed, and that will, I think, that's to power the uh, computer end of the thermostat, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm going to go through a couple screens, and I'm not going to go through configuration, but at the end I'll give you my email address, and you could get in touch, and I'd be happy to help. So, I'm going to, hopefully you guys can hear this okay, I have... I'm up here. I'm going to double tap and the first screen that comes up is sort of an overview of your devices and since I only have a thermostat, that's all it's going to show. I have this set up for Touch ID instead of having to write my login information all the time. So, good. This took me into the main, looks like the main screen of the app. So, we have a menu button. This can take you to uh, set up, you could share. A device with other users, you can set up additional devices, you can look at different configuration settings. Weather forecast button. There's tap to view weather, have not found that to be too accurate though, so your chances may vary on that. Of course we have a hint, double tap to view it, thermostat. there's thermostat, now I like to double tap on that, that's where you can get into your scheduling and timing information, but if I just keep going here, there's our decrease. Our increase now. I'm gonna double tap on that, and we went up to 73. I'm gonna go back to 72 though, because that's where we had it. And there we go, it's pretty easy to do. Let's keep going. <coughs> it's telling us to set temp, so it's 72 inside, and the temperature uh, inside temperature and the thermostat is set to 72 as well. Now that will vary of course, if you set it to 74, it's going to take some time to catch up and that will be listed there. And we can add a new device. New device and what's Double there? There's the hint. So I'm going to go into the Lyric T5. As I mentioned earlier, this is where you can get into your scheduling information. And I'll just show you what's here. So. We have some new. This is very similar to the last screen. We have some new things, settings. You can check out your name. I think it, you can change your login information, and there's a couple other items there. Is okay, so this is a little different. After all, current. Set to there's our decrease and increase. Is Hold until 10 PM. Well, now there's a. Uh, I don't remember if that does anything. I'm not going to try it, but it's saying that our schedule is set till 10 p.m. to hold until uh, hold 72. Mode cool our moding mode is cool. You can change between cool and heat, and uh, whatever your heating system might offer, there'll be there might be some different modes there. Oops, sorry about that. There's the fan on. Uh, at least for ours, it's on <clears throat> off or auto. Button. Now here's schedule. schedule. So I'm to double-tap on that, schedule. Schedule and see what we get. 30. Now, it's grouped by days, so, day. or you could go by single day. We have it through Monday through Friday, I think. Let's see. Day. Oh, okay, I have it set to every day. You'll get different options here if you're doing it for the first time. So we have our waking in the morning, 8 a.m., 72 is cool, 68 is heat. This is the summertime, we have set to cool. Uh, it thinks if you're leaving your house in the morning, we don't have that set. If you're coming home from work or something, don't have that. So sleep, same thing. Um, that is not actually accurate because it will, uh, uh, there is a real schedule that we have. So if I click on, let's click on wake. and. We could delete it. Time, 8 that's our time. So it's saying cool and heat. And your first item is, of course, cool. Set to tap to Increase and decrease buttons again. That is the heating. Increase and decrease. Save and save. save and that's it. Close. So I'm going to close it. Close. Uh, in close. fact, let's close. see what this options button does options. Button. Options. Button. New time button. okay I, I don't think I've explored this since the app was updated and I cancel so you could turn cancel. all the scheduling off from here if you want to And close it out and so it seems pretty easy um, you can use it with echo and Google home and the home kit as well for Siri now I have used it with HomeKit. doesn't seem that reliable uh, or that accurate, it wants to, say, change the temperature to 75 instead of 74, or it might report the temperature wrong. But I can say, Alexa, what is the thermostat temperature?
4: The Lyric T5 thermostat (laughs) temperature is 72 degrees.
3: And I can say, Alexa, what is the thermostat temperature set... to?
4: The AC is set to 72.
3: Okay, this is a great little thing. A sighted person can use the touchscreen. You might have to go into the thermostat settings to do this, but you can adjust it so it'll go to sleep and just and show the time, and it might show the uh, inside temp. And then if you hit the screen, tap the screen, it'll give you your up and down arrows, just like an analog thermostat would with buttons. And so someone can do that. Uh, if the Honeywell on their end is down, someone can still use this. So if the internet ever went down, someone can still... Use this, which is which is good. You know, eventually maybe this might go down. Who knows? Um, hopefully not. But um, that's how that works, and it's pretty accessible. Now the next one is a smart outlet. It is a mini outlet, and now these mini outlets can range between twenty and forty dollars for one of them. I found a knockoff brand, and it is twelve dollars for one and $20 for a 2-pack, so I figured I'd take a chance. And the brand is Gosund, it's spelled G-O-S-U-N-D. And the uh, app is called Smart Life, and it is by Yu Sheng. So it sounds like a Chinese, I would assume product. And with that being said, I do want to wonder that there have been some negative reviews, people saying that these have stopped working after a couple of months. But I've had no issues, and these are connected to four lamps. So if you think you could afford this, you know, take a chance on it, because, uh, you know, you might just have to take a chance. I would assume it has a return policy that Amazon offers. I don't know if it's 30 days. So let's go through the Smart Life app here. Uh, Hold on. Let me just... And with that being said, the English translation isn't the greatest, but it is accessible enough that you can figure out what it is trying to say. Uh, now as I said I'm using this with lamps. This won't work with something like like a heater, where you have to set a temperature. This will only turn on and turn off. And it's uh, you can do you can do a voice search or a voice control in the app itself. I'm not I never looked at that showing the weather in Fahrenheit, uh, Celsius. I can't change that no matter how what I do. Now, here's our lamps. I have floor, four lamps. I'm gonna go to the wall lamp, since that is the closest one that I'm near. Now, to set up a device, you will need to either turn off voiceover or have someone tap on a far left button that says uh, setup up, or VoiceOver reports it as Smart Life, here I'll go back to that real quick, um, and it doesn't do anything uh, when you double tap with VoiceOver. So you will, I have found it to work where you just turn VoiceOver off, tap once in the top left of the screen around that area, maybe once or twice, and turn VoiceOver back on and you will be in a dialog that will allow you to add a device, and you do have to have Bluetooth turned on. But that's getting into configuration, which I really don't want to do. I, I, as I said, I can assist anyone. So, here's my screen for the wall lamp. It says button, but sometimes it's not. I'm going to skip this. Come on. There. So, there's a switch button. If I double tap on that, you'll hear a click from the outlet itself and the phone will make a beep sound. I think it's the default mail message sound. If I go back to left, Socket is off. so it's off, Switch. and turn it back on. Actually, I'm not gonna turn it back on, I'm gonna say, Alexa, turn on wall lamp. There it is, we heard a click, and if we go to left, Socket is on. so, uh, that is very accessible. Um, again, it's not going to be perfect, but you know, if you are willing to deal with it, then it's a pretty cheap alternative. There is a schedule. It's under the lamp. I apologize for that. I'm gonna go back to the wall lamp next to the switch that toggles it on and off. You can set a countdown timer so you could have it turn on and off in say or 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and that's where you have your scheduling option. Now I did have a sighted person assist me, but I think this can work with voiceover. So it's saying it'll turn on within 30 seconds of the command. Now I might say switch colon off switch button on, that means that 9pm I have the lamp actually turning off. So this can be toggled on and off with that button, a switch there. No it add says 11. on, and there these delete, activate, uh, these do work with the rotor, and that's on. And I can add another time add if I wanted to, or I could delete. So that works pretty well. Um, since these are so cheap, as I said, it is worth looking into. Uh, have had no issues at all and i can read the reviews um you can just look up the brand g-o-s-u-n-d ghost it should come up with something on amazon like mini outlet smart plug socket something like that uh it, it not only works with alexa and google home does not work with HomeKit. sorry
4: i'm not oh. sure
3: but i keep saying that which is <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm right near it, this speaker. Anyhow, it's it works very well. So feel free to get in touch if you'd like to. I'll be happy to assist, especially with the outlet. The good part about it, though, I forgot to mention, it does have a button, a physical button on it. And when you first plug it in, you have to hold down that button to turn it on and or reset it. You tap it once, I think, to turn it on or off physically, and then you hold it down to for five or six seconds to do a reset, and then it can get detected by the uh, by the app. Um, so my email address is Pellis, It's my last name, P-E-L-L-I-S, and that's P as in Paul, 2000 at gmail.com. So if anybody would like to get in touch, I'd be happy to help you set this up. If you have any issues, we could try to work them out. And again, since this is such a cheap, especially with this outlet, such a cheap outlet, and even the Honeywell isn't that bad, um, these work great. And they're definitely a better alternative to some of the 30 or $40 mini outlets. Now, they do plug in almost like an iPhone charger. feels like an iPhone charger. So they don't really take up that much space since they are the mini ones, and they do let you use your upper or bottom socket that you might have left in your outlet.
1: Thanks, Jay, and to Chris as well. And Jay reports subsequent to recording that demo that that accessibility issue with the smart switch that he was talking about seems to have been resolved. So that's a very positive thing. We will continue to look at home automation in a future episode, but of course next week it is the Gather Round Apple event. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Thanks
0: for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting, on the web at mosin.org.